What's up, folks? Welcome back to the Whoop Podcast. I'm your host, Will Ahmed, founder and CEO of Whoop, and we're still on a mission to unlock human performance. For those Whoop members listening, we are introducing our latest update to weekly plans, which is a new way for you to set weekly plans across sleep, strain, activities, and behaviors, and see your progress against them. How does it work? Well, at the beginning of every week, you can choose your plan for the week based on what you need most. Could be more sleep, could be more exercise, could be introducing new behaviors. Whoop will give you some recommendations, keep you accountable, and you can follow that all week long. So check that out. Make sure you're on the latest Whoop app. It's Super Bowl week, which means, of course, Patrick Mahomes is headed to the Super Bowl. Patrick, longtime Whoop member. And who do we have on but Bobby Stroop, his longtime trainer and founder of Athlete Performance Enhancement Center, APEC. We go all things Patrick Mahomes, all things training. Bobby gives us a lot of his feedback on what it's going to take to win this weekend. Specifically, Bobby and I discuss how they started working together. Literally, Bobby's been training Patrick since he was nine. They train in their gymnastica style, which is all about bending, came to life on the field in the AFC championship game versus the Ravens, how Bobby deals with sleep and recovery throughout the season versus the playoffs. Spoiler, they were reducing strain by 40% during the playoffs. Pretty amazing. The art of speeding the body up ahead of games. So there's an A, B, C in terms of three different types of workouts. Bobby really goes deep on this. Pretty fascinating Listen for what the C is. That's how you get your body jacked up. Patrick's belief that he can win any game, that inner belief system, some of the parallels between the Chiefs and the Patriots. We go into the matchup against the 49ers and what Bobby anticipates for the game. A reminder, if you have a question you want to see answered on the podcast, email us, podcast.com. Call us, 508-443-4952. Good luck to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. And with that, here is my conversation with Bobby Stroop. Bobby, welcome back to the Whoop Podcast. Man, it's great to be on. We got we to gotta make this the annual tradition. We got we to gotta make it to the Super Bowl, but then got to get on the podcast. Well... It feels like an annual tradition of both because uh, your man now is four Super Bowls in the last five years, six AFC championship games. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable, that, the resume. Yeah, I mean, he's it, it's, it's, pretty, it's remarkable what he's doing. I think, you know, he's 28, so we're just, we're just getting started. But you couldn't ask for a better start and a great opportunity uh, this week against the 49ers for sure. When did the two of you first meet or start working together, you and Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, uh, Patrick was nine years old. So we've been together a long time. Uh, I've seen him through a lot of his stages, you know, was able to see him with his friend group and his parents and just through the whole process of, you know, middle school and high school. And it was, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible to see, you know, where we're at, where we're at now. I would have never thought that, that, that we would be doing this uh, at this point, but but here we are. And I didn't realize you had known him for so long in, in his life. Were there any inflections along the way where you were like, yeah, this guy's going to win Super Bowls one day, or has it been more of a gradual process? You know, I think 
I think it's hard to think that way when you when you've got a, a kid in front of you, right? But I had some great mentors and people in my life that that really tried to instill into me to you know treat everybody like they're your your dream client, like they're you know for me it was Michael Jordan. Treat everyone like they're that that athlete, and we really tried to do that. And you know, we no one knows what a kid is going to grow up to be, but he had all the makings of you know someone that was special from a standpoint of being being really addicted to improvement as the main thing. And he just always had a great attitude socially was just good with people. I had a lot of type A personalities around him. And so he was never a guy that talked a lot, but very competitive. And, you know, there were some moments where you could see that he had some special qualities, but no one, no one could take that and make that jump and say, this guy's going to play in four Super Bowls before he's 28. Unbelievable. So, Last week, that Ravens game, there was a yeah. the, a, a clip that kind of went viral, and you shared it as well, where, you know, Patrick's getting tackled, and it's a pretty awkward-looking tackle. Like, he, he really finds himself twisted and turned upside down. And you shared a video, which I thought was appropriate, of some of the training that t- the two of you do together. And one of the, you know, the images was this video of Patrick Mahomes, like completely upside down, you know, flexing um, his back and and really in like a a position that you might be more familiar seeing uh, a yoga instructor in than a professional football player. Just talk a little bit about how you're clearly training him in a different way and how it also can lead to perhaps some of the resilience that we saw even last weekend where, to me, it looked like that was a play that could have been an injury, and yet he was totally fine. Well, you're always fortunate to come out of a playoff game healthy, and I don't know how much I believe in injury prevention, but I think there's a responsibility in coming with comes with watching the game and looking at the demands of the sport. You know, as a, as a first principle, but I think beyond that, you have to look at how this individual chooses to play the game. And the way that Patrick plays this game is with the reckless abandon and, and with a fight that's very unique. And the way he moves his body and the positions he puts himself in, I think a lot of players will protect themselves from those circumstances. And it didn't take me very long in this journey with him to realize that these things aren't going to change. So what we have to do is adapt to the way that he plays the game. And that means that comes with an elevated sense of mobility flexibility and stability in ways that are more, more accustomed for, you know, gymnastics athletes and, and people along those, those lines. And so we started down that journey, not, not long ago, a few years ago. And it really, it really helped him because of the way that his body bends and the way that he gets hit and the way that he plays, he finds himself in these precarious situations where, you know, he's got to be Gumby. He's got to be someone that can, that can bend in ways that it just doesn't look like the body should be able to bend. And so every day after the game and once a week in the off season, we go through our regimen, we call it gymnastica, where we go for joint mobility. We, we go for spine mobility in ways that I think people, people look at and think it's very out of the box, but it's become so routine to us to do the back bends, to do the, the, the walking back bends on the wall, the rotational back bends, the upside down crawls. I mean, it's a, it's a once a week thing year round. And no matter what experience we have in the game, no matter if he's hurt, no matter if he's not, these are things that we, 
visit on a weekly basis. And you can call it getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. You can call it flexibility training. You can call it gymnastics. But for us, it's, it's routine and regimen and to the point where we feel like he is neurologically and physiologically prepared to go to some of these places uh, that maybe some other athletes aren't. Well, that came through, I mean, in, in watching some highlights just from last weekend, but I think even if you look at his broader mobility and games, like there are these moments where he looks like he's maybe off balance or he looks like he's about to be tackled. And then all of a sudden there's a little, it's almost like a little subtlety. It almost looks like the game slows down for a second. And then next thing you know, he's got that extra three yards or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. You know, Patrick's got this innate ability this to tap into that flow state that, that athletes rarely hit, you know, one time in their career. And there's been books written about this. Probably my favorite one is The Rise of Superman. Mm. Stephen Coulter wrote in it. In, and what he talks about often is the X game athletes that are able to tap into this higher level of focus and, and, Really, they can make changes on the fly because it's life and death. And so their body senses that. For Patrick, he's able to tap into that more than, than a lot of other athletes. And I think that, you know, just the way he slows the game down, it really what it is is he's an elite problem solver. And the way he looks at things is different than anyone that I've ever known in that he just doesn't short, shut the door on opportunities in any given play. And he's incredibly open-minded to what's going to happen. And I think – what limits some athletes is these expectations, even great expectations of what is going to happen in a play can sometimes keep you from being open-minded enough to the possibilities of, of what could be. And I think Patrick is really, really good at being optimistic. And when things don't go perfectly in a play, just knowing that he's going to find a way to make something happen. And it's just brilliant to watch. I mean, he really, like some of these two yard, one yard plays are brilliant and they add up in the, in, in the course of a game in the course of a season. And, you know, we're seeing in, in, in the course of a career, uh, they add up to the difference between good and great. Well, the two of you have been uh long time whoop guys, which of course we love and, and we love the partnership. Can you describe a little bit how you think about sleep and recovery for Patrick during the season? And then we can talk about the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's changed over time. I mean, we've talked about this in the, a few past podcasts about, for sure. You know, re- regardless of how the the score is on game day, what I'm looking at is I'm looking at an undulating wave throughout the season. It, we're not going to hit 95% every game day. And that's okay because if we did, we're leaving neurological and physiological development on the table because our goal is to peak right. you know, in the Super Bowl. That's the goal. That's where we're at right now. And so what we're trying to find is ways to balance this continued development in physical, you know, neurological peaking without leaving those processes out there. And so we, we started with that. And last year, we, we really got a lot of those concepts down. And we were able to do that in spite of an injury. But this year has been different in the way that we look at this data and, and look at this device and, and the ways to, to utilize this and that. We wanted to hit more quality sleep during the week this year instead of just trying to get those two to three days before the game and especially the night before. And what we found is the more days we could stack green during the week, I mean, especially on a Monday night or Tuesday night, 
you know, or Wednesday night. What we found is that more optimal preparation during practice, and that was translating into better performances in the game, almost more than the score the night before, uh, from the night before. Hmm. And there were some things that were anomalies that you can go back and we can look and see, but, you know, people talked about that Denver game and that he was sick, but I don't think people understand when you have a 1% recovery score, <laughs> that's an, that's, that's an incredible deficit to overcome. You know, I, I've seen him go out and perform well with 40%, but 1% will, sure. I mean, you could speak to that. That's wow. He had a 1% before, yeah. uh, before that Broncos game. He had a 1% the morning of the Broncos game. And I had a, I got a text from him, you, you know, everyone, wow. around, everyone around us was sick that week, but I was not sick. Patrick was not sick and everything was fine. He leaves on Friday, you know, he gets in, he gets in and then Saturday night, he had a text. I want to say it's 10 30 or 11 at night. He says, man, I can't hold anything down. I am, I am, I'm really sick. I'm throwing up. And I thought, oh man, and I know everybody's, all hands were on deck, but I know that he could not, he could not get, get himself back recovered. He went out there in a state that he's never played a game in and it, and it wasn't great. There's no excuse. The Broncos were better that day, but there is a reality in that he wasn't just a little bit sick. I mean, this guy was in a spot that really few, of us, yeah. few of us could go out and play, play a game. This wasn't just you know, flu the third day of it or one night of food poisoning. This is one percent is very serious. Yeah, I've been on Whoop now for uh as long as anyone and I've actually never gotten a one percent. So, you know, variety of flus and COVID and uh hangovers still haven't gotten me gotten me the one percent. So I can only imagine how hard it was to play play that game. He's a tough dude, but that that helps explain the loss to the uh, to the Broncos for our audience. Yeah, I mean, I think the Broncos played a great game, but that that definitely didn't help us that day. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting looking at uh, at some of uh, of Patrick's data this year. Like, it looks like he's in this like sixty five to seventy five percent sleep performance range. It looks like you know, averaging around 16 strain for a lot of the season. And then it starts to come down a little bit in January from a strain standpoint. I imagine maybe that's a little bit lighter training during the week. Yeah. So when we get toward the playoffs and the, the, really the week before the playoffs, if we know we're going to make it and then in the playoffs in particular, we cut everything down by about 40%. So you talk, you start, that first week of playoffs are going into it at about 60% of your regular volume. And we're low volume anyway during the season. And so mm. you're talking about any movements that we do, whether it's back bends, you know, seal rolls, dead hangs, deadlifts, it doesn't matter. If it was six reps, we're down to two. And so for a lot of people, I think that that would feel like, well, why are we doing these things? Because you're only doing two reps in one set or you're doing three reps in one set. And I, I think it's important for the body to continue doing the routine. And a lot of it is a neurological state at this point. The hay is in the barn from, you know, a lot of these aspects. When you look at strength residuals, you can keep max strength for, you know, 20 days a lot of the times, especially if you're well-trained. But mobility and flexibility, a lot of that has to do with the neurological state. 
parasympathetic, sympathetic tone, breathing patterns, awakening tissues, making sure that the fascial alignment's there. And sometimes when you do these movements, it, it, it hydrates this, these tissues. It helps distribute nutrients uh, throughout the body. And so we're doing mm, these yeah, things. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, we're doing these things for an awakening, not necessarily a physical adaptation at this point. You know, that A day where it normally would take us, I don't know, an hour and 30 minutes just to do our mobility work. It, I mean, we're down to 30 minutes max, no sweating, nothing. This is playoffs week one. And you get down to this this last week and you're talking about an 18 to 20 minute workout that used to be an hour and a half at regular points in the season. And that's par for the course in the playoffs and that you want to do every single thing that you normally do but you want to do the least amount possible. And that is cliche. People will say this, but we literally will do one to three reps at this point because even on a max strength deadlift, we're still going to do everything. We're going to go through our process where you you, you mobilize the body and we tighten the body back up because mobility and flexibility is health, but tension is performance. And that's a hard thing concept for some people, but you, you mobilize and then you create that tension and that's that performance that you want. And then you've got to speed the system up last, the last day of the week. And, th- and that's our process. And we're going to do it even if it's at a minimum dose. When you say speed the system up, what does that mean? And what day of the week are you talking about? Yeah. So we have the A day and B day and the C day um, that, that's been well documented. And in Netflix, they highlighted some of that. Unfortunately, in the Netflix documentary, they they showed me talking about it, but then they showed clips that didn't match the days. So it created some confusion. Okay. With, you know, I'm, I'm talking about creating mobility and, you know, the elasticity and tissue extensibility, and they're showing him do a rapid-fire jump on a <laughs> vertical mat, which is yeah. not the, not doesn't fit in the same day and is not the same thing. So what I mean by speeding it up is the day after the game, you want to do movements that are as opposite from football as possible. It needs to be, it needs to be foreign to football, but local and grounding for the human body. Meaning we are trying to get the the human body back to zero. So all barefoot, all mobility, all get everything back. If you weren't a football player, let's get you in the best function that we can as a human being. I don't want any, any stiffness in the neck. I don't want anything in the spine, the wrist. We're checking everything. Finger flexibility, Big toe, ankle, you know, mobility, femur, head, everything, humerus, all the way up. Tuesday, we come back, or that B day, we come back and build that tension, build that, build all the things that create power. And then if we have the opportunities, we work max strength capabilities in at least one to two to three lifts or anything that he's healthy enough to do. Come back. If it's a Sunday game, we're doing Friday or Friday afternoon because speed and high level power, I'm talking sub 20% loads on power. So you're talking high velocity movements, faster than he would move in the game. So any implement that we use, it's going to be faster than he would move in the game so that the game feels slower physically and neurologically. And then from a running speed standpoint, anything we can do over speed that's faster than he's going to run in the game because quarterbacks aren't out of control with their movement. They don't, they don't run backwards as fast as they can in a play. And they run forward. Everything's calculated. There's visual perceptual components to running in the open field. So it's not the same as running a 200-meter dash or a 10-yard sprint. So what we want to do on this day is do the minimal on this day where you speed it up. But everything's got to be his absolute best and his fastest because what that does, it puts your your neurological system in a heightened state that you're going to stay at 
for around 36 to 48 hours. Sometimes mm. some athletes can hold closer to 72, but not many. What I've learned with Patrick is he can hold it for almost three days. And you can really see that. And so I'm talking about curvilinear sprints, back pedal turns, swinging a light bat. You know, he can get it up to 140 miles an hour each way, throwing, you know, two pound med balls, 30, 38, 42 miles an hour. You know, doing it, if he's doing, say he can do a 600 pound deadlift on Tuesday, which he does during the season at times, you know, we'll cycle up and cycle down, even in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe for a whole set on a Tuesday, we do three reps. We go 525, 595, 625. And those are our three reps, literally. And hmm. then on Friday, we come back, his deadlift sets could be uh, 55 pounds, trying to get three meters per second on a jump. So this complete opposite. And you're doing different things. You're, when you're maximally loading the body, you're primarily working on deceleration, force absorption, force transmission, muscle structures. That's what you're really doing. But when you come back and you work at those high velocities, tendon, ligament density, proprioception, you know, Golgi tendon organs and, and your proscenium corpuscles and all these different things and, and, and your perceptive abilities get you to this heightened state. You know, for as humans, we're meant to be alarmed. And the more alarmed, our physical prowess elevates. It's this neurotrophic growth factor, this endothelial growth, all these different things that, that happen when you have a threat to your tribe, when you need food, there's somebody invading your camp, right? So when that happens, it's not like we were created to just have this heightened state for 15 minutes. We're on alert for a while. And then the body starts to slowly calm down. Well, I don't want him to calm down until the confetti's fall. That's the, that's the idea. And so that's why we need that late week workout. Because if we don't get that, you know, we've got, we've got a chance of coming out flat. Not, not because he's not emotionally into it, but because tissues and neurological processes and hormonal processes, all these things, you know, it's like, it's like looking at a, a, someone that is a producer in front of all these triggers and buttons that they're, you know, they get, they've got the talent in there. They're doing all these things, but they're trying to tune everything. That's what we're trying to create in this programming with his body is that we can't have it all on a Monday. You know, we can't. So we got to do what it is that we're doing and know that, you know, what's crazy about our eight day work is it is at the detriment. It is actually the opposite of what we want him to be at the game. It's slow. It, it's easy. He's too, too much bend, too much this, too much that, you know, when you're too flexible, you have not enough integrity or what we call tensegrity to take contact. So it's not good. That's why just being flexible is not the way. And that's a good way to be weak. And then what we do on that B day is the opposite of, you know, that A day. And so it's at the detriment of that. But the, we're, we're, we're asking the body to level this out. And then on C day, it's just turning all the way up. And whatever we are, we're going to be the best at what we're at. That's fascinating. And just in terms of days of the week, what day is A, B, and C? A day is, if it's a Sunday to Sunday week. Now, you know, these Thursday games, yeah. Saturday games, that creates a, and if we want to get into that, that creates a whole nother you know, approach and audit system. Recipe, and we got to yeah. make some. We got to make some some decisions on the fly. But if it's a normal Sunday to Sunday week, you're talking about Monday is an A day, Tuesday is a B day, and then Friday is our C day on a normal week. Now, right? If it's a and Thursday so you've got week, that forty eight hour window. 
Right. Yeah, you've got that 48-hour window to your point of your body or Patrick's body remembering the neurological changes you've made. That's right. And there, this is not, you know, we didn't invent that concept. Track and field athletes for Olympic preparation, you know, they've been onto this for a long time. Dan Path probably pointed me to this many years ago and saying, you know, there are track athletes that will go practice starts in the morning if they've got an event that night. And that's how in tune their bodies are. Their bodies are that, that fleeting speed. So they could get up to 60 meters in a full speed run within 12 hours of their competition. Now, football athletes are a little more sensitive than that, and that, that could affect them in a different way. And so you have to look at, well, you, you basically have to find what works for that individual. I know some individuals that I've consulted with that they have to do it the day before the game, or it doesn't hold. And I know some that are mm. sensitive enough to where their body will go into a depressed state if we don't do it on like a Thursday. And so it, it really is a trial and error. I mean, there's some things that you think you think, and then you have to try. You have to try these things out and see where the, where the athletes hits on that paradigm. And then you've got to hone in on that. And for lucky, luckily Patrick and I, we've got so much data and so much history that, you know, I know it's funny. He walks in and I tell him how much he weighs every time he walks in. I know exactly how much he weighs and it's, he laughs and I laugh every time. I'm like, you're 221. Yep. You're 218. Yep. You're 226. What, what are we doing? You know, it's like, it's yeah, funny. Right. It's just, we, we, we know, we know each other a little too well. What's up folks. If you are enjoying this podcast or if you care about health, performance, fitness, you may really enjoy getting a whoop. That's right. You can check out whoop at whoop.com. It measures everything around sleep, recovery, strain, and you can now sign up for free for 30 days. So you'll literally get the high performance wearable in the mail for free get to try it for 30 days, see whether you want to be a member. And that is just at whoop.com. Back to the guests. The strain data the day before a game, it looks like you'll go as low as, you know, sub 10 even, you know, 10, 10 to 12. That's what I'm seeing for the playoff games, Patrick's data. And then the games are super intense. Like, oh yeah. Oh, almost always over a 20. It looks like for the playoff games. Maybe some regular season games, 18 or 19, but. Yeah, and I think that, that in the playoffs at this point in his career, he, he, has, he and his coaching staff have decided, hey, this is when we're going to put ourselves at more physical risk. Not, not irresponsibly, mm. but, you know, Patrick is going to run if he needs to. He's going to fight for a first down if he needs to. Um, instead, of, instead of looking at down the field and saying, okay, here's a linebacker and a safety I'm just, I, I think I can make this throw. He's going to run it if he, if, if he isn't sure. And that's playoff football. That's, that's not just Patrick. That's any quarterback at this point. And knowing that we have four games, the, the risk are lower from the standpoint of how many hits he's going to take in these four games. His body is as pre- prepared as anyone is to be able to handle that workload. And as he's shown in the playoffs before, you know, he, he is a difficult person for these guys to tackle. He's got a running back body and you know, he can take contact as good as any runner in the game. Looking at preparation for the Ravens game, looks like 48% restorative sleep the day of, you know, 76% recovery, high, high sleep efficiency, 86%. Like feels like all of those are kind of right where you want them. You tell me. Yeah. This year, his sleep efficiency was really good for a lot of the year. 
but his sleep yeah. duration was down. And mm, you know, I, I think yeah, I see that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you have a, when you have another kid and and things are changing with your family, I, you know, I think that's expected. I think it's pretty normal. You got a baby. You got another baby. You got out of that baby stage last year, and then now you got another one. And that's a blessing, right? But I think that what's been cool to see is that his body has responded by being more efficient in his sleep, but he is getting less sleep. Now, there are days that he's intentional and he can, and, and nobody really knows, knows this about last week, but he was sick all week last week. And then, and then come game time, uh, the day before the game, it kind of cleared up. And so, and that wasn't going to be an excuse or something that's talked about a lot, but it's the reality. When you look at the data, you can kind of see that he just wasn't right all week. His, he didn't get a lot of sleep, but like he did the week before was better. And the week before that was better. Last week was a bit of an anomaly and uh, sleep duration and his recovery scores comparative to our two weeks the, prior. And it was because yeah. he was fighting, he was fighting something. He didn't feel good when he got back from Buffalo and we still did our work and he didn't feel good even on Friday. And it, he really came out of it Saturday and Sunday. He felt great and he's been good since, but um, it was a challenging week preparing for the Ravens. Um, and that's a, that's an understatement. You know, I've I've spent uh, a lot of time in New England now, with Whoop being here in Boston and and uh, having gone to school here, and and so I've watched so many of the Patriots playoff games. I'm, I'm sure you did too, and other football fans have as well. But there's a lot there's a lot of um, similarities between what it feels like the Chiefs and Patrick are now doing to what I saw with the Patriots, where it just kind of didn't matter as much like quote unquote, who was the better team. It was all about the performance in the moment and just finding ways to win. You know, that, that Ravens game felt very different than the bills game in a way felt a little different than the dolphins game, but each one, it was like, it just felt like the chiefs were going to win when you started watching it and you just felt like they were going to find a way to win. Are you starting to feel that too? Do you see those similarities? Absolutely. I think, you know, Tom was, he's undisputed as the, the greatest player of all time right now. And, you know, I don't think we're in any position for that to change in any time soon. And yeah, that's always the feeling I had watching Tom is like, they're not out of this game. And if he's, if he's upright, they could win it. And I think a lot of that, Patrick has that. You know, he has that ability and it's, it's a belief and it's a belief down to his core. There's, there's not a way for you to manifest that if it's not, if it's not something that doesn't resound within you. And it, he, he is that, I mean, he believes that they're going to win at no point in any game that I've ever seen him play, seen him play as a chief. Do I think that he ever expects that they are going to lose or concedes that? And I think that's an incredible quality, you know, and it's, it's leadership and, it's a reflection on, you know, the effect that Andy's had on him and his confidence in his teammates. And this year has been, you know, it's been a challenge for a lot of reasons that are unique to his career to this point. And I've, I've gained even more respect for him as a leader in the way that he's handled, you know, you can call it adversity, but, you know, they just, they just had trouble. They've had trouble on offense and you know, funny ways and ways that are not typical and they've had some bad luck and they've, they've also had some players that would be the first to tell you they've underperformed, including himself at times. And to maintain that belief, 
I think it speaks to what you're talking about in that he never, never once thought they wouldn't be in this game. He never once thought that they wouldn't figure it out. He, he never once believed that his receivers weren't going to perform the way he knew that they could and that Travis couldn't beat Travis. And, and sure enough, you know, we see Travis maybe have the best game of his career. And Patrick in the playoffs it, it has been as good as he's ever been in any game in his career. So, yeah, I mean, there's never a time that I'm watching that I think that, that we're going to lose that game because I've got that belief in him that I know that he's got in himself. Yeah, it is it is kind of that. It, it's just amazing. It also seems to have happened very young for him. Like it feels <clears throat> like it happens for other athletes a little bit more in like the back quarter of their careers where it's just they've been around the block enough. They've been in these big moments enough where – there's a certain sense of knowing or a certain power or command that they have over the situation, but it just feels like he's there really young and really soon in his career. So it's super exciting. I mean, it's, it's going to be exciting to see where it all goes from here, but it's just worth saying that it's, it's, it's really unique. Well, it's one of those things where you look at even some of the data I saw that Tim Grover put out, Jordan Peterson put out about lobsters. I don't know if you've seen, you know, some of the things that Jordan Peterson said about lobsters, but basically if a lobster wins when they're young, they never stop winning fights ever. And if a lobster Mm. loses a fight when it's young, like the first one, they never win. And it's this unbelievable belief system that actually creates these physical adaptations to where they become these kingpins just from, just from that winning. And I think with, any, any dominant athlete uh, that we've seen in the last 50 years, you can see that that belief grows. It's not something that goes away. And, it, it, and not only that, that, that gets stronger. And I think you saw that with Tom Brady. You saw that with Michael Jordan. And I think we're seeing that with Patrick. And then that belief rubs off on everyone. And he's, he's just been phenomenal at, at that. But, but then you look at the data of he's played – 20 more games than I think the second closest quarterback since 2017. And that's Mm. from all the playoff games that he's been in. And that, that experience, those moments that adds up and you get to, to, to these special places where you're winning these games and you're not, it's not blowouts. I mean, everything's close. I think the amount of close games that the chiefs have had this year have been the greatest advantage that they've had in these playoffs because they're incredibly comfortable in these difficult situations and they have a belief that, that, that they're going to figure it out this time and, they, and they've done it. Looking at uh, the 49ers this coming weekend, what's your assessment of the opposing team? Phenomenal team, phenomenal roster. Uh, I know a lot of the people in the management and in their sports medicine department and they're, they're great. They're incredible. Um, they've done Phenomenal job. They deserve to be there. There's a reason that they're favored to win this game. I love Brock Purdy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is one of my favorite players of all time. George Kittle's, um, you know, he's, you know, what do you say? He's, he's great. I love his personality. I love his game. You know, and this defense is star-studded. You look at the amount of first-round draft picks they've got on this team. It's, you know, some of the most in history. <laughs> They've been favored in every single game of the year. Every single one, including this one. 
It's crazy. Um, so yeah. they, they're, they're the exact opposite of an underdog. And uh, I think we've got a great, great challenge. And this is going to be a, a good opportunity to see, see what our best looks like. And if we, if we don't play our best, you know, they're going to, they're going to win. So it's, it's a good matchup. Um, there are some interesting individual matchups. I think Brock Purdy is wildly underrated. I think he's got some, he reminds me of a young Russell Wilson in that I get so tired of people saying that he's sneaky athletic. He's athletic. He can run. This guy is a very good running quarterback. He's very efficient in the spread. He's got, he's brilliant. He's got a high IQ. He's got a quick release. He anticipates his throws a lot. And I think he's, you know, we've got a lot of other concerns there. They've got four receivers that probably could be ones or twos in, in any team that they played on. And Devo is one of the most unique, you know, players that's ever played in the NFL and can certainly take over a game. So I've uh, spent a lot of time watching, you know, their film. And, you know, one of the things I like to do is try to give Patrick physical matchups as far as knowing knowing who he's facing and, and how, how they, how they approach, you know, open field tackles, how they approach, you know, rushing the passer and giving him, giving him profiles on, you know, how he physically matches up with guys in the open field and they're tough. Well, without, without getting into specifics on, on the matchup against the 49ers, like what would be the type of feedback you'd give in that category around tackling, for example, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, let's go back a few weeks, and we don't even have to name the team, but but one of the things that I do is, look, I'm not a football coach. I don't want to, you know, they, they know what they're doing, and, and that's a whole different thing. But for me, what I like to look at is how guys move in space. And so what Patrick and I can talk about oftentimes is, okay, this linebacker runs really well side to side, but if you, if you get a chance to go right at him, I, you're going to be able to beat him. Or you can outrun this guy in a foot race to the corner but do not let yep. him pursue you from this angle. Or um, this guy's big on, you know, on, as far as contact, he goes low. You know, giving him, you know, watching the film and just saying, this guy goes low, he goes low. Or this guy likes to tackle in this way. And then from a pass rusher standpoint, I look at guys as speed rushers and power rushers. And if a guy is, is you know, tries to use strength as his primary tool for a pass rush, then we love to be able to have an escape plan going away from that athlete uh, because okay. we don't believe that they could pursue us in an opposite direction, that they, they don't have the speed to pursue us in the opposite direction or up the middle. Now, if you're, if you're playing against a Micah Parsons or someone like that, then you don't want to run away from him because he can, he can come from behind and make a play on you. So what you do with a, someone like that that has a high speed profile and you know Patrick is not someone that's going to outrun him in space is you run right out of him. And the reason you do that is because you want to pass that athlete. You want to pass that athlete and that's done. So that's your greatest opportunity is to go right at them if you have a situation where you need to escape the pocket, if that makes any sense. It does. It's, a, it's just an interesting perspective that I, that is sort of obvious now that you hear it, but it's not something I thought that much about, which is you know if you have a stronger player, you want to get into a foot race. If you have a faster player, you might want to go at them and see if you can beat them right there. Yeah, I mean, I think in these situations, it's just some things you want in the back of your mind because in, in your subconscious, is, you're going to just act. It's going to be deep subconscious, emotional pretenses. And so if we talk about these things during the week, he's got a million things to think about, game plan-wise, play-wise, progressions. 
it, but if in the back of his head is like, okay, 95, he can't run with me. I'm going over here. Or yeah. Parsons is here. I'm either running up the middle away from him. You know, I'm not going to run to the left if he's on the right because he can chase me down and strip the ball. These are things sure. that you can't just think about. But you, if you know these things, you've got a chance that your body's going to protect you. Um, and then different things like safeties that play the ball and they're not very physical in the open field or corners that don't want to tackle. You know, things that are – you've got different – defensive linemen have different attributes just like quarterbacks. And so just knowing right. what their tendencies are. You know, these guys get on level, you can break the pocket here, or th maybe the linebackers that we see, hey, they turn their head really quick on pass plays. And if they do, he can run it up the middle right behind. Them. The these are things that they're part of my job to notice, to help, to help him have just an idea, but I in no means tell him how to, how to act on these things or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, I mean, it, look, it's amazing that, that you're back at the Super Bowl and uh, Patrick's back at the Super Bowl. And we're so happy for both of you. It's, I mean, at face value, right? Like if you just told me, hey, Mahomes is going to his fourth Super Bowl in five years and he's up against a quarterback who is the last overall draft pick. And by the way, he's not favored in the game. You'd kind of be like, whoa, I don't know. I think, I think the line's a little disrespectful. That's my take. I like being an underdog, and I think oh, I think it's a great place to be. By the way, I think it's a great place to be, but I think I think it's a little disrespectful. I definitely it's a, a plus I definitely, two and a half in some places. Well, I can promise you this: I'm going to make sure that they think it's disrespectful too, <laughs> because that's helpful. But I think that you know Tom Brady was picked late, and and again, Purdy can play, and these guys. There's a reason that, that they're favored, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 they, the media makes it really easy for me. Patrick is motivated by disrespect like anybody else at a high level. And these things are just, they're really, they're really good motivation for a guy like him. Any I mean, predictions you want to give us for the game? Mm, I think it's going to be a close game. I think the coaching staffs on both sides are, elite i think that the players are great they're going to prepare and um i think you're going to see patrick play his best super bowl yet i really believe that awesome he's the healthiest he's been he's got a great understanding of this game and he's been there and i just i believe in the way that he's playing right now i just feel like there's no drop off you know the thing is we can't control how good the 49ers play i fully expect them to play their best game of the year and so that, and by, by no means is that a prediction that we're going to win this game, but I do feel like that Patrick's going to come out and play, you know, one of the, one of the best uh, games in the, and I would say, I think he's going to go out there and play his best Super Bowl. That's the goal. That's, that's all he can control. Everything else is up to, up to chance. Uh, but that's, that's our job. That's what we want to do. Well, I heard Tom Brady once talk about the Super Bowl as being a really unique game in itself because of all the hype around it and all the sort of delayed lead up. And then the fact that the halftime's so long so that it actually makes each half almost feels like its own game. And uh, again, I feel like there's such an advantage for this team having been to these Super Bowls over time and like, you know, leaders like Patrick and Kelsey and others having been to the Super Bowl because it, I feel like it's its own thing. 
anyway, I'm excited for, for all of you. It's definitely different. It's a long halftime. They're used to 10 minutes of sitting down or listening to something and right back out. But, you know, the, the advantage of them having their fourth Super Bowl is that he's got a routine now and he knows what he didn't like and what he does like. And I feel like that, that that's a huge advantage. And these guys have done the, – the Chiefs have been great in third quarters of the Super Bowl. And I think that's a reflection of uh, their staff and, you know, the things that they're able to do during that time and being resourceful. And I fully expect that to continue. Well, Bobby, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for coming back on. Uh, obviously, I'm rooting red this weekend, and, and hopefully it's a green recovery on Sunday and a red recovery on Monday, right? That's what we're hoping for. If if we get if we do win, there's not going to be any sleep, that, that's for sure. Not on Sunday. <laughs> All right, man. This has been a pleasure, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Big thank you to Bobby for taking the time to go over all things training and recovery. Once again, wishing Pat the best of luck on Sunday. Don't forget to check out our new weekly plans feature in the Whoop app. If you enjoyed this episode of the Whoop podcast, please leave a rating or review. Check us out on social at Whoop at Will Ahmed. If you have a question you want to see answered on the podcast, email us podcast at whoop.com. Call us 508-443-443. If you're thinking about joining Whoop, you can literally sign up for free for 30 days. That is at whoop.com. And new members can use the code WILL, W-I-L-L, to get a $60 credit on Whoop accessories. All right, that's a wrap, folks. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Whoop podcast. As always, stay healthy and stay in.